0: Uh, Hello and welcome back to iBiology, the DP Biology Revision Podcast. That That shouldn't be your only source. Please also listen to (laughs) Mr. Dunn. (laughs) She's starting to take over. Um, (laughs) But anyway, uh, if you do want to study along with us, we're using the Oxford IB Diploma Program Textbook and and the Study Guide. Study Guide. So, uh, today we're talking about Unit 5, which is Evolution and Biodiversity. Evolution. So, evolution let's first look at evolution um so evolution is basically when the uh, so uh, defined as occurs when heritable characteristics of a species change the most important part there is the species evolution is not the change in individuals but rather in the frequency of alleles of a species over time Mm with the characteristics of that species a change in gene pool could you also say it like that Allele frequency in the gene pool, yeah. Yeah,
1: allele frequency in the gene pool.
0: So, let's let's look. Uh, obviously, um, the thing is uh, just uh, going in. This, it's called the theory of evolution. Mm-hmm. The reason, uh, the reason for that is that because it can't really definitively pro- be proven. However, it doesn't mean that it's just guesswork. That's something with science. There's also a lot of evidence. Exactly. The thing is with science, uh, a scientific theory isn't how you would use a theory in normal uh, circumstance, like a theory, oh, that's just some random guesswork. A theory is something that is like has proper, uh, has a lot of support for it. There's like uh, mechanistic explanations as well. So when it's like people try to dismiss it by saying, oh, well, that's sh- evolution is just a theory. they share it. They might not properly understand what scientific <laughs> terms mean. So, what is that evidence that I just alluded to? So, first of all, fossils. Um, they uh, because we uh, we have this nice thing called fossils, which allows us to look back at the skeletal structures of uh, previous ancestors, of uh, previous organisms, and so. How are fossils created? Um, the fossilization. <laughs> uh, well. I believe it is with, they're made of limestone. I can tell you that ah, yeah. much. Yeah, true. It's, I remember. Yeah, it's with the carbon cycle. Yeah. They, I don't think we need to know the details of fossilization. Go
1: listen to the previous episode
0: if you want to know what uh, limestone is. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> so, for, uh, so basically what they allow us to do is look at previous, uh, the bone structure of, previ- of our ancestors, of previous organisms, and then see how that changed over time. And uh, obviously we uh, can compare it and see how it's different and see wh- where things diverged, mm-hmm. and we can compare it with what we have nowadays. Mm-hmm. So another evidence, a uh, piece of evidence, selective breeding. Mm. So the idea that because uh, because we've basically in a way created our own artificial selection instead of natural selection, um, choosing which. Um, animals, often, or sometimes also plants, organisms in general, should reproduce. So, for yeah, example... Like especially if you want one characteristic in an exactly. animal to so appear more frequently. It, it's, it's most common in domestication. So, for example, if you want... Uh, sheep to uh, if you want sheep that produce a lot of wool because you want to shear it and sell that wool, then you would take the, uh, then if you have a bunch of sheep, you would take those that produce the most wool, breed them together, and then with their offspring, and then with again if you have the next generation, again take those with the most uh, wool Also until eventually you get to the point uh, where we are now, where sheep produce so much wool that they have to be sheared like naturally before we domesticate uh, before we domesticated them and selectively bred them. They didn't need to be sheared. It's just something that we've enforced on them, basically.
1: Yay. <laughs> so. Humans are bad for nature. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: pendactyl limbs? Uh, yes, that's the next. Uh, that's another thing. Um, also, so basically, in conclusion, you can see that um, by creating a pressure on the um, population to exhibit certain characteristics, it shows the um it, it shows the way that the selection can occur mm-hmm. so uh homologous structures that's the next thing you're talking about with pendactyl, pendactyl limbs basically homologous structures they're um, a part of what's called adaptive radiation it shows similarities in structures what, what
1: are homologous limbs
0: Homo, homologous structures they're basically um limbs uh, so for example limbs or structures in our body that are built similarly to other species other organisms but are used for different purposes
1: ah so the fin so the bone structure in a fin for example of Is some of a porpoise yeah Is of a, well, a fish thingy but, well not a fish it's a mammal like a whale or whatever <laughs> and then the bone structure in our hand in, of humans exactly Similar there's structures. W- uh, it's
0: important that you don't confuse with fish and things like that, because that uh, there's also something called analogous structures. Ah, oh, yeah. Analogous structures they're similar and they're used for the same function, but they're li- uh, but they have differences in structure that mean that they're likely not. Um, from didn't the you just say they're similar in structure? That, uh, they they look similar, oh. maybe. So for example, wings in general are large and have a uh, are large, thin, have a large area. Mm-hmm. But for example, the wings of a, an insect and the wings of a bat, they're very much different because uh, yeah and so those would be analogous structures because they were uh, need the same purpose, they evolved separately mm-hmm. into that. Mm-hmm. I Meanwhile, homologous they it's adaptive radiation so they radiate away from like one center that you while hom- homologous structures don't confirm it, um it is something that fits very well into the theory and it would be and it would be difficult to explain otherwise Mm -hmm. so uh speciation we talked about this a bit in our uh, in the unit 10 episode um basically it's that through evolution different populations of the same species um, adapt away from another so far as that they're not the same species anymore Mm -hmm. Um, so that might happen through uh, temporal, behavioral, or um, temporal behavior, or geographical isolation. Mm-hmm. So if they're uh, unable to interbreed, then they'll evol- they, they might evolve into different species, and that is called speciation. Oh,
1: nice. Mm-hmm.
0: So, uh, one, uh, so one one evidence, uh, one another piece of evidence is from patterns of variation. So uh, the famous one is with the Galapagos finches. So what Darwin originally looked at when he was um, looking at evidence for evolution and came up with this theory um, is that on the different islands, the, the Galapagos uh, finches had different beaks mm-hmm. um, dependent on what kind of food that they were eating on those islands. So, what, so
1: the bigger the beaks, the easier it was to eat the harder seeds like, yeah, and the for smaller example, beaks we able to eat the smaller seeds.
0: Yes, smaller, like with softer shells. Mm-hmm. Um. So let's. Uh, so this is just some
1: basic groundwork for evolution. But uh, no- yeah, but you need to finish that idea. Basically, what led to the theory of evolution was that uh, different temperatures cause different. Beak types to be carried on to the next generation. That's what we're talking about right now, natural ah. selection. That's but you brought up the, the finch... Uh, well, yeah, finch it's finch. the idea that
0: because of the different uh, because of the different beaks, when they had beaks that were better adapted to the food, then they were more likely to obtain food, survive, and go on to reproduce, causing that to become the dominant um, mm-hmm. beak. And when the weather
1: changed, the diff- other, other types yeah, of Yeah, that's... Beak.
0: Um, I mean, yeah. So, natural selection. What's the idea behind that? Also, it's, uh, also there's a difference between... Yeah, there's something that we've seen more recently with, I believe it was like El Nino and... Mm-hmm. Uh, La Nina. Exactly. That um, ended uh, that end up causing us to see it in real time. Um, versus geek changing. Exactly. Because and what context. I was bringing up there was Darwin's original observations. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. So, again, natural selection. Um, there's different things that we uh, need... There's variation, overproduction of offspring, and um, so and the pressure to, uh, to and change. Yeah, and and so yeah, and then an <laughs> variation, overproduction of offspring, and the idea uh, and a pressure limited resources. Right? Mm-hmm. that's how you say it. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, variation um, is. Can come can come usually from mutation, meiosis, and sexual reproduction, because those co- uh, those well cause variation mutations change the um, alleles alleles or just the genes in general, mm-hmm. not necessarily even the alleles. Meiosis recombi- uh, meiosis causes the random spilling and recombination uh, occurs then thus through sexual reproduction.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So uh, this means that now we have variation in the environment which can then be used. Uh, so, when we, so the overproduction of offspring is the idea that there is more offspring than there are resources, mm-hmm. meaning that only some can survive.
1: Survival of the fittest.
0: Yes, specifically the ones that fit best to the environment. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that the uh, uh, ones that fit best to the environment, they're going to survive. Meanwhile, the ones that don't will die. <laughs> And, and those that survive are able to reproduce, bring, off offspring, uh, bring offspring, and those characteristics that help them survive will then be in the next generation. Yeah. And their children will have that, and then they will again uh, see which one is works the best, which one is able to survive, so on and so on and so on. Meaning that in the end, um, gradual evolution may happen because um, the natural selection keeps on picking the best characteristics. Mm-hmm. It is important to note that this is not an intentional process. Like no, uh, the the animals themselves don't say, "Okay, um, because this has happened, we're going to mutate in this way." Mm-hmm. Instead, it's just that because this happened, the ones that have been mutated in this way take it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, this is always, and it's all about the genome because characteristics that um, occur during an organism's lifetime cannot be inherited. That's yeah. Lamarck I believe that was Lamarckian theory that um d- throughout the lifetime the, the organism would change based on the environment which would then be passed so that's not what you should put in an answer. No. That goes into epigenetics and stuff which Yeah, which um, is a different topic. And that is mostly erased when it's passed on. Yeah, mostly. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> um yeah, what differential survival and reproduction Inheritance and, pro- and yeah, progressive change um, Again The Galapagos Finches we just mentioned that So with the El Nino event um, with El he- Nino being like a very hot uh, Temperature and La Nina being cold temperatures And El Nino also being very heavy rain
1: And heavy rain yeah.
0: uh, which co- uh, And that caused um, The availability of certain foods to change Causing mm-hmm. the beak sizes to change In response to it mm-hmm. So that's uh, another example of seeing natural Selection just happen um, another one is antibiotic resistance. Now, um, bacteria are very good for studying natural selection because they have a very short life cycle. They can replicate quickly. But they, also have, um, they can also receive plasmids, meaning that they can more quickly exchange DNA as well. Mm-hmm. And um, we can kill a lot of them very quickly, <laughs> <laughs> which meaning that there is a large uh, evolutionary pressure so mm-hmm. for uh, uh so if you have a population with no antibiotic resistance bacteria uh they might get uh they might either get some plasmids from another population or they might uh accidentally get some bi- via mutation then mm-hmm. if there's some in there the moment that we use antibiotics on them or use them incompletely the ones with the resistance will survive mm-hmm. and those will then go on to populate meaning that there's going to be more resistance and that yeah. resistance will pass on through uh evolution
1: which is a big problem for us humans
0: exactly it's the um so antibiotic resistance it can appear um for example if people don't completely use their antibiotics it can uh, it can occur through overuse of antibiotics so antibiotics being prescribed too often because the more we use antibiotics the more we will be selecting for those antibiotic resistant bacteria Mm Obviously, they're still important, I and mean, you should still use them when they are actually needed, but use them completely and f- to the final end yeah. and shit. So the and also, for example, in animal agriculture, they also uh, because of the way that animals are kept, um, antibiotics are used to try and prevent anything too severe happening uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, to them um, or zoonotic diseases to spread, causing a bunch of antibiotics just go into animal agriculture as well, again increasing the risk of antibiotic resistance. Mm -hmm. So um, another example that you need to know, again, when you answer a question about evolution, it's very good to bring up an example, um, or I believe they've even straight up asked about um, explain, give two examples of um, evolution and uh, in response to an environmental change. And in that case, make sure to pick an example where the environmental change happened within our lifetime. Because, for example, the original observations uh, with Darwin's finches or the idea of giraffes growing taller necks uh, in order to reach the leaves on mm-hmm. trees better, we don't have concrete evidence for that. We can only speculate because that was in the past. But it's something where we have another like concrete, this happened now, um, is the uh, peppered moths. Mm-hmm. So specifically melanism. Um, it's the idea that some peppered moths uh, will be... Uh, black so because of melanism Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and when originally it was better for peppered moths to be paler because that way they could be able to blend in with the natural lichens on the trees Mm -hmm. lichens being like moss type thing um but then when the uh, when industry hit Mm -hmm. and, and the soot killed off the lichens and blackened the branches Mm -hmm. Um, the peppered moths were better disguised when they were black because during the day they would rest on these trees and so when there's suddenly a pale moth and uh, the bird will be able to pick it out more easily if it's on a black tree because it wasn't camouflaged as well exactly and so we we saw a rise in melanism in moths due to the evolutionary pressure of being killed by birds (laughs) yay Mm mm-hmm so I believe that's, um, unless, is there anything that I've missed that wasn't the study guide? Because I think I've, I mean, yeah, okay, now now we, okay, that was it for um, evolution. So time to go on to the classification of biodiversity. So uh, first let's talk about the binomial system, binomial, nomen- binomial nomenclature. It's, it's the idea that we can describe, an, uh, we can describe any organisms, by its genus and its species. The genus is capitalized, the species is lowercase. If you're typing it on a computer, italicize them. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, is, uh, this was done so that we could have an international standard for how we we're naming them.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, that's the, in essence what it's important. And that way you can also be able to, uh, and also because of that, there's an almost infinite variety of names that we can pick and choose. However, that's not all. That is the binomial system is usually what we use because, um, in- citing its entire taxa, would be what are tax? taxa, are the different uh, brackets of them. Of so what? for of the uh, of the ordering and sorting of um, species of animals. So genus from this exactly. It's the uh, it's domain kingdom phylum uh, class uh, order, order uh, family. family genus genus species going from bigger to smaller right there yes uh, obviously it's good to have um, uh, it's, it's good to have a mnemonic device for this so for the commonly used one is dear King Philip came over for good soup
1: hmm
0: yeah <laughs> which uh, obviously you can also make your own one um, but yeah. The uh so, the, so there are three domains so that the main is the biggest one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, there is bacteria, archaea, and eukaryota. You asked uh, last uh, week what ar- last week yesterday mm-hmm. what uh, archaea are, mm-hmm. and uh, basically they're one of the three main domains. And what is an example for archaea? Um, we don't need to know any that's the thing they used to be split into we used to just have prokaryote and eukaryote but prokaryotes were so broad that they were then split in bacteria and archaea okay so on page 261 of the textbook you can see a comparison uh, comparison table between bacteria archaea and eukaryotes basically um his uh, for histones um the bacteria don't have any histone proteins. Archaea have proteins similar to histones, and eukaryotes have histone proteins. Mm-hmm. Um, in, uh, for introns, bac- for in bacteria, they're rare or absent. In archaea, they're present in some genes, and in eukaryotes, they're frequent. Um, in cell walls, uh, the bacteria. Uh, Why do
1: we have introns again?
0: Because uh, we use them for other things that are not genes.
1: And what are other things that are not genes? For
0: example, I believe t- uh, uh, the making of tRNA. Or uh, regulation of a transcription. Oh, nice. So promoters and
1: things
0: like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, cell walls and bacteria, they're made out of peptoglycan. In archaea, they're not. Uh, in eukaryotes, they're also not. And sometimes they're not even present. And then, cell mem- uh, and then there's also some differences in the cell membrane structure. So an example of... Um, archaea would be methanococcus or methanobacterium or halophiles. You've probably never heard of them. Nope. Okay, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, those are the three domains. Then, like we said, kingdom, uh, kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, species. So let's talk. Uh, so let's talk about some of the classification and like, how do we get the classification? Basically. Um, those classifications are based on what species they evolved from.
1: Who evolved? What? The, organi- stay
0: it, the organisms evolved mm-hmm. from that we're classifying. Mm-hmm. So um, if we have a bunch... Uh, so the class um, the they're a bunch of cartilaginous fish in the Northwest Europe Sea. sea. Mm-hmm. And so all of... Yes, for example. <laughs> or ty- certain types of sharks. And they have a common ancestor, and, uh, thus, in the same uh, fam- class. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and sometimes classification is reviewed because different ancestry was discovered. This might be due to a analysis of their genome and seeing that they actually don't have as many base sequences in mm-hmm. common as we originally thought. So, yeah. Um, the dichotomous key... We're about to come to, Mm -hmm. don't worry. Um, So, the dichotomous key basically can be used for identifying um, organisms. So, uh, you need to be able to know how to use one. They might ask this multiple choice questions where they ask, okay, how would this organism be classified? It's actually relatively simple. Basically, you just have to start with the first question and then it gives you two features. Mm -hmm. They should obviously have one feature and not have the other. At that point, they'll either give you a number or an organism. If they give you an organism, okay, great, you're done. If they give you a number, then you have to go to that question next. Then again, you look at the feature that it has, you go to that question next, and so on, and so on. Yeah, on page 265, there's an uh, example of uh, one that you can try and uh, group marine mammals. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So, now let's talk about plants and animal phyla. Now, <laughs> plants and animals, um, they're the kingdoms, so the, uh, the kingdoms that you should probably know about are... Uh, f- Wait, f-
1: just a second. Have you talked about artificial classification and natural classification? Wait, I don't think I have. Thank you for running. So, um,
0: yeah, <laughs> a natural. Uh, so natural classification is uh, identification of species uh, allow for the identification of species and prediction of characteristics shared by species within a group
1: that's for nas- natural classification
0: yes mm-hmm. natural uh, i believe it is so artificial uh, so natural classification is what i just mentioned with the dividing them up by their genome and by their common ancestors dividing species up yes yeah mm-hmm. meanwhile artificial um classification is if we just look at what they have. So for uh, which... So their feature like species features. Exactly. Uh, artificial classification can um, end up being um, backfiring because of what I mentioned earlier about analogous features. Mm, yeah. They could have evolved similar things for similar purposes, but differently. So that doesn't mean that they share a common ancestor. And mm-hmm. that's why we want the natural classification, because it allows for more solid prediction.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So again... So now that we just quickly defined that and made it clear. Uh, plants and animals. So we uh, for plants, there's four phyla, uh, bryophytes, philocinophytes, coniferophytes, and angiospermophytes. Hey.
1: I mean... Philocinophytes and coniferophytes are pretty straightforward. They sound like ferns and conifers. Yeah, it's um, basically... But
0: most of the time, when you when you asked to think of a plant, you'll probably think of angiospermophyte. They're uh, flowering plants. So mm-hmm. anything that flowers, gives fruits, that's an angiospermophyte. Mm-hmm. Um, Coniferophytes, like Matilda just said, they're conifers. Uh, they're the thing that you put into your house at Christmas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think you need to
1: specify more. Um, yeah.
0: Uh, so... Uh, so um, I can only think of the German word now, conifers. Uh, the cornifers, the, uh, they have
1: cones, they... Trees st- that look like a triangle.
0: <laughs> I don't think we're uh, doing any better here. So they have cones, they have needle-like leaves, that's important to mention. Um, With a thick, waxy cuticle. Exactly. They be thick. <laughs> there's, then there's philocinophytes, so that those are ferns. They have spores on their undersides, uh, branched kind of leaves. And bryophytes, just simple mosses, mm-hmm. liverworts, and hornworts are also mentioned there. Would it
1: be accurate to say that bryophytes have been around for the longest, and then ferns, and then coniferophytes, I and then angiosperms?
0: Don't know about that, but if we're looking at the similarities, it would make sense to. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say they've been around the longest. But um, I'd say that it's more likely that coniferophyte and angiospermophyta are more closely related than now, uh, let's say, angiospermophyta and bryophyta, mm-hmm. because they share more characteristics. Speaking of those characteristics, just quickly going through them. Um, so root stems and leaves are present in philocinophyta, coniferophyte, and angiospermophyta.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Bryophyta do not have true root stems or leaves. Instead, they have rhizoids, which are just kind of fibers that go a bit into the ground. Um, and they ha- sometimes have simple stems and leaves. Others only have a thallus. Mm,
1: okay.
0: Then for vascular tissue, again xylem and flow in all- everything but bryophyta. Mm. That's also why uh, we can't really leave bryophyta out. So mosses, you'll never uh, you'll see them on the north side of trees usually because that's where the sun doesn't directly shine. Mm. Because otherwise they dry out.
1: Yeah, it's the darker, wetter side of the tree.
0: Exactly. So um, then cambium, cells between xylem and phloem, that means that they can produce more, so that allowing them to thicken... What did
1: you just say? Cam- what?
0: The cambium. Their cells Is this be- the cambium? I just said as well, cells between the xylem and the phloem that can allow more of those tissues to be produced, meaning oh. that they can grow thicker and larger. So mm. that, uh, that's why we can have coniferophyta trees and angiospermophyta trees, but we don't usually see philocinophyta or bryophyta trees.
1: But phillliinophyta can grow or used to like ancient years ago <laughs> they used to be very, but if you look uh, but if you look at
0: them they never really had thicker stems yeah true that's the thing uh, then pollen um, in the male cones and coniferophyta and in the anthers and flowers meanwhile uh, I meanwhile, and bryophyta both use spores mm-hmm. Um Ovules uh, in the female cones or in the ovaries inside the flowers. Bryophyta, Philosinophyta again don't have those. Um, seeds, again, cornifera and angiospermophyta. Bryophyta and Philosinophyta don't have them. I think you see why I said that two of them is probably more uh, closely related than the other two.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And But finally, and one way that we can distinguish between cornifera phyta and angiospermophyta angiospermophyta has uh, flowers and thus also fruit. Mm-hmm. That's why there's no cornifera fruits because they can't yeah. carry them so sad so that's it for plants if you uh, if you're in a biology class probably will also went out and like uh, found some <laughs> and dissected them and i'm sure you perfectly remember that lesson
1: good times, good times. and you didn't
0: just um excuse just... me i still have the pictures on my phone <laughs> anyway now let's look at animal phyla there are uh, so there's the non uh, so there's uh, Porifera, Nidaria, Platyalmythus, Annelida, Mollusca, Arthropoda, and Chordata. If I'm asking you to think of an animal, probably 70% of you will think of a Chordata animal,
1: <laughs> at least. Um, there are actually over 30 phyla, but the ones Helen just counted uh, were yeah. like the biggest ones. Exactly. Um,
0: yeah, uh, so, um, yeah, there's the six. Uh, six non-chordates that we need to do, and chordata, chordate, meaning a backbone. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Spinal cord. Exactly. A spinal cord, or also known as the vertebrates, Mm -hmm. versus the invertebrates of the other phyla. Let's quickly go through the phyla. First of all, periphera. um, They're sponges. They don't have a mouth, uh, so you should know of them in terms of mouth and anus, symmetry and skeleton at least. Mm -hmm. So periphera, they don't have a mouth or anus, no symmetry at all. They just grow where they want. And they have um, internal spicules, so skeletal needles. They also have a lot of pores, that uh, meaning that they're filter feeders. So they because they don't have a mouth or an anus. Exactly. So then, uh, Porifera. You can think of it. You can try and remember it using pores, like Porifera.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, then Nidaria. So those are jellyfish, hydras, corals, uh, anemones. Anem- uh, they only have a mouth and they have radial symmetry that's why jellyfish you can't uh they look they are circular they mm-hmm. have they look the same in all of the directions mm-hmm. um the skeleton they don't uh it's soft however um some obviously some corals secrete c a c o three limestone oh, we talked okay. about it last time yeah um so yeah they have tentacles and stinging cells uh one may <laughs> Again, these are going to get weird and weirder, the mnemonic devices, but one way you might think of um, nadaria is you can think of knitting with jellyfish tentacles. Jesus
1: Christ, I think not.
0: <laughs> but yeah, it makes it's, sense. it's helped me remember, so yeah. I guess that's sort of effective. Mm-hmm. Uh, plateal minces, so those, those are flatworms, tapeworms, they also only have a mouth, and everything from now on is going to have bilateral symmetry. Mm-hmm. Um, they have soft, no skeleton. And they're very flat and thin, and they're in the shape of a ribbon. They and they don't have a blood system or a gas exchange system. And again, they only have a mouth. Platyhelminthes. It's easier for um pe- for Dutch or German people to remember because of the word plat meaning flat. But who knows? Maybe you can also just think of plat flat as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mollusca. Um, they are snails. I forgot.
1: Oh yeah. Oh. I
0: the, no, oh, me. you're talking
1: about the invertebrates
0: first? Yeah. Ah, oh, okay, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And they're also invertebrates,
0: but they're just lower down on the list in the textbook. Oh, so. uh, mm-hmm. Mollusca, uh, they're snails, squids, octopus. They have a mouth and anus. Everything from now on has a mouth and anus. Mm-hmm. Um, they Again, bilateral symmetry. And most have a shell also made of CACO3. Do they
1: have bilateral symmetry? Think about it. When you have a snail... But, it, oh, the, oh, the shell doesn't belong to the snail as is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um
0: So they also have a radula, which is basically something that grinds down the food. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's so uh, that's how they then feed uh, mollusks. If you've ever heard of them, mollusks of the like the fossils. Mm-hmm. That's one way you can try and remember that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Analyda, they're basically segmented worms. Uh, so that's uh, if you've ever seen like a rainworm, you can see that it's like many segments. Again, mouth and anus bilateral, and they have an internal cavity with fluid under pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can often see the blood vessels. Analida, the way that I remember it's a bit weird, but um, anolida, it's all uh, equally sized syllables, oh. almost as if the word itself is segmented. Mm-hmm. Nice. That's the segmented worms. And then finally, the, large, uh, uh, the largest phylum of all, and the last invertebrate phylum we need to know, uh, arthropoda. So they're inse- insects, arachnids, crustaceans, and myriopods. Mm-hmm. So um, mouth and anus, uh, bilateral, and they have an external uh, skeleton made out of chitin. Nice. And also they have segmented bodies and legs and appendages uh, with joints between the sections. Basically, um, arthropods, you've probably already heard of that term. I guess. Yeah. Like...
1: Arthropoda. So. Yeah, So let's move on to vertebrates Ew
0: You're a vertebrate
1: I know That was
0: intentional (laughs) Okay So uh, vertebrates, they're most of the animals That you think of when you think of an animal Um we, uh, We know about five Or like we need to know about five So those are Bony ray, finned fish, amphibians, reptiles Birds and mammals Um Basically, you should know about them in terms of their skin, their lungs, their limbs um, What, like legs um, The way that they uh, uh, procreate um, Like whether they're where they live, so aquatic or terrestrial um, How they reproduce And whether they maintain a constant body temperature So whether they're cold-blooded or Mm warm-blooded So let's just jump through them so uh, these ones are a bit easier to memorize because you should have more experience with them um, fish they have scales they have gills um, they have no limbs fins supported by rays they have um, a, uh, they have eggs and sperm for external fertilization they remain in water throughout their life they have a swim bladder that um yeah um uh, and, and
1: what a swim bladder
0: yeah that, that way they can control how buoyant they are oh that's so weird. So they, wait, so... They can control where they go in water, up or down.
1: No, but then where's the urine? Also in their bladder? So if they pee more, they float?
0: (laughs) First of all, you can have two different types of bladder. And second of all, a lot of uh, aquatic life, remember, they secrete ammonia.
1: They Ah, don't secrete urea. Okay.
0: But But that's unit 11. Um, and they do not maintain a constant body temperature. Mm-hmm. So amphibians, uh, they have a soft, mo- uh, moist skin so that water and gases can pass through. Uh, they have simple lungs so and moist skin for gas exchange. They are tetrapods, so they what have the- four limbs. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, so And then when they're an adult, they have four legs, obviously not in the larval stage. And they also have external fertilization. Um, so
1: frogs and
0: shit. Yes. Uh so they have a, a larger a larval stage that lives in water and then the adult usually lives on land though still near water often. Uh and the <laughs> eggs are coated in a protective jelly uh, and they also don't maintain a, they're also cold-blooded. They mm-hmm. don't maintain a constant body temperature. Nice. Reptiles, impermeable skin covered in scales of keratin. Um then they have uh lungs with a lot of folding so they have a lot large surface area to respire. Mhm. Again, pen, again, tetrapods, For they have, most species have four legs, snakes don't, um, and they have internal fertilization, uh, they have soft-shelled soft <laughs> eggs that mm-hmm. were, again, internally fertilized, and they also have teeth of all one type. Oh, okay. That's something you need to know, whether they have teeth and what type of teeth they have. Do frogs have teeth? No. No. Ew. Okay. <laughs> and they also, but they're also cold-blooded. Mm. Birds, uh, they have uh, skin and feathers made of keratin. Um, they have skin made of keratin. No skin with feathers. The ah. feathers are made of keratin. <gasps> okay. Um, the lungs have parabronchial tubes and, and ventilated using air sacs. Uh, again, tetrapods, two legs, two wings. This time. Um, and again, internal fertilization. This time, hard-shelled eggs, um, and they have a beak but no teeth. But they are the first ones that actually are warm-blooded and maintain a constant body temperature.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Finally, mammals: um, skin, often with follicles with hair made of keratin. Mm-hmm. So you can also see. Well, I don't think it's. It's. I don't think it's necessarily a homologous structure because obviously it's a structure. You can see how the keratin um, between the scales, the feathers, and the hair follicles kind of. Maintained consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, again, the lungs have alveoli, which we'll learn more about in the next unit, um, and they're ventilated using ribs and the diaphragm. So the inter, uh, the intercostal, uh, uh, the intercostal muscles. Nice. Um, again, tetrapods and four legs in most. or two legs and two wings or arms. Mm-hmm. Um, internal fertilization. And uh, most give birth to live mammals. Again, you have those weird exceptions, like, for example, the platypus or the echidna that still lay eggs, but are still mammals because they feed from their mammary glands. They give milk.
1: Mm, Wild. You seem confused. I am. Why? It's a weird hybrid thing happening. Like a bird, but a mammal, you know? (laughs) Anyway,
0: they also have uh, teeps of, uh, and they also have teeth, uh, teeth of different types. Mm-hmm. Uh, and finally, they also maintain a constant body temperature. We need to know the different teeth types. I don't believe so. We just need to know that there's different
1: types of teeth. Nice.
0: Yeah. Okay. Though so I believe, uh, if you care about it, uh, canines, incisors, and mm, I forgot the other one. Sorry. The molars. Molars. Yeah. Statistics, last pa- last subunit. Um, so, clade. So, to use just the textbook definition, a clade is a group of organisms that have evolved from a common ancestor. Yeah. Um, basically, yeah, the analogous and homologous traits. We could, we talked about that, and uh, with a, a clade, you might uh, see the way uh, you might kind of see it almost a branching tree diagram. And you can see at what point they split off because the Y, the X axis will usually be um, like millions of years that they split off from a Mm -hmm. common ancestor.
1: yeah.
0: Um, So you can uh, find um, and also what's important to know is that um, it doesn't matter like where on the Y axis they are in mm-hmm. terms uh rather it just matters when they last split off mm-hmm. so when you look on page 271 um if you uh, it shows uh different uh, it also even specifies different ethnicities and when they split off mm-hmm. uh and compare and also shows in the same clade it also uh shows things uh it uh, shows like a few apes uh and when you look at that clade again page 271 uh you, uh, you might think uh, you might see, okay, African is closer to the chimpanzee, but actually, if you then go back on the x-axis, humans and chimpanzee, they split off at the same time, and then humans split off further down the line, so it doesn't matter they're all, uh, all the humans are the same uh, level of removed from the chimpanzee. Oh, yeah. It's also on page 17 of the study guide. Um, so, yeah, then cladograms, so they're also, uh, they're a different type of tree diagram, so, um yeah the other thing i believe the cladograms they basically they allow us to sort them uh, by their characteristics sort the species exactly mm-hmm. um so um there's uh it can also show a, ta- a taxonomic group relationship mm-hmm. and you might have to uh put um labels on there like i've seen it before us uh, um Asking you to put a label of like what what identifying feature would you put here that splits the, these two groups off?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so uh, maybe you can uh, maybe you can try and look at a cladogram and see. Okay, what would I say here in order to say okay this is this path has it this path doesn't? Mm-hmm. Um, again reclassification so uh uh, so because we sort these cladistics by their genome sequence nowadays because that's just way more reliable it has caused reclassification uh when we realized that oh wait this doesn't match what we thought that it did wild and i believe that's it that is it indeed for unit five and then uh next episode we're definitely splitting that up into several episodes Mm -hmm. uh unit six human physiology Um, But until then, then being tomorrow, goodbye. Mm.
1: Bye.